Welcome to Season 3 of Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, missionary to Zimbabwe, Africa, sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. It's only fitting that this program should kick off a new season for the podcast as our family enters into a new season of life and ministry on the foreign mission field. Back in April of 2021, I did two solo programs interacting with the whole concept of a call to missions and setting out some of the Lord's personal dealings in my life in regards to our family's call to foreign mission work in the southern African country of Zimbabwe. We have now completed our pre-field ministry, and today's program is published on the eve of our family's departure for the field of Zimbabwe, Lord willing. Of course, with the fluidity of international travel and the requirement of negative PCR tests, especially given the size of our group, anything could happen. But I hope that the next time you tune into the program, our family and one other will have reached the continent of Africa. The Lord has raised up some co-labors out of our home church, the Cody Rich family, for which we're grateful and excited. The Riches will spend three months or so in Zim with us before returning to the States to raise their support to return to Zimbabwe long term. I'm coming to you solo this week to give a brief review of our experience on deputation and update on a few related developments in view of our transition and a short preview of what is to come for Great Commission Conversations. In preparation for our mission efforts in Zimbabwe, the Lord had me do deputation. That may not be the only way to get the funding and prayer support to deploy to the foreign field, but when done in a timely manner, I'm not aware of a better way to develop the support base for full-time foreign mission service, and in our case, I believe the Lord wanted our family to do it this way. If you're interested, I've done a two-part interview with Thomas Irvin on the topic of deputation, so I won't rehash the ins and outs of the institution, but I did think it might be of interest to some of you to hear how it went for us. I announced our call to Zimbabwe to our church family at Cornerstone Baptist Church on the last Sunday of January 2021. For the first half or so of that year, I continued to serve on staff at Cornerstone. My church and my pastor have been extremely gracious to our family throughout this transition. I continued to teach Bible Institute through March of 2021, as well as an adult Sunday school class that ran through May. So I was somewhat limited as to the meetings that I could take through the first part of the year. I was able to schedule quite a few meetings in Tennessee and Kentucky on Sunday nights and midweek services. And in some cases, I traveled further afield for conferences or series of meetings in Alabama, Florida, and Mississippi. I booked meetings by making phone calls, but I had to do very little cold calling. I was at a significant advantage having been in pastoral ministry for the previous 15 years. Most of the pastors that I reached out to were men that I had already met over the years. I made a trip to Zimbabwe in July of 2021. That sort of broke up the year part-time, moving to full-time. And after that trip to Zim, we sold our, the home that we were living in and most of our stuff and went on the road as a family. If you're curious, I did not always travel with my family. I had older children and younger children in the home, and my older kids were working one of those was getting ready to move out on his own, and at the same time, my wife was trying to reach certain homeschool goals with the younger children. It made more sense, given our family dynamic, for me to travel to at least some of our meetings by myself, especially in the early part of our deputation. 
There were a couple of short series of meetings where I traveled with my younger children while my wife stayed behind with the older boys trying to soak up the time that she had. And there was about a week and a half or so that we left the kids with grandparents and my wife and I were able to get away, just the two of us, and enjoy some time together while doing deputation travel. I point this out to say that there really isn't a cookie cutter for these things. I try to communicate with my pastor about how to go about it. I try to make a habit of determining what the expectations of each host pastor would be, and I tried to exercise some wisdom as a father and a husband as to what best suited our family at any given time. When we did strike out on what you might call full-time deputation at the end of July, it was our family of six in an SUV with a cargo topper. We stayed in quite a few hotels, many prophets chambers, and in some cases, church members' homes. I know some guys like to pull a travel trailer, but we weren't on the road all that long, and it just worked better for us to do it this way. One of the great things about being an independent Baptist is that we have the liberty to do it the way that works best for us. This season of our lives has been a whirlwind, as you can imagine. In one week in July, we vacated our house, moved our second-born son out on his own, and hit the road full-time. Believe me when I say the manual for how to navigate those kinds of transitions has not been written. From February 2021 through February 2022, the Lord allowed me to be in 85 different churches. We met what must be some of the most wonderful saints this side of heaven in the course of our travels. We had an excellent reception by pastors and churches and were blessed with a solid financial and prayer support base in that time. Our travel took us to 16 states, the majority of which were located in the southeast. The only time that we crossed the Mississippi was for a month of meetings in the great state of Texas. Curiously, we didn't have a single meeting in Georgia or Louisiana. I just hadn't met many pastors in those states. About two dozen of our meetings were missions conferences. Missions conferences are great opportunities for fellowship, and my children seem to especially enjoy these kinds of meetings, but they're also really intense and they can be tiring. At one point, I think I was in conferences for nine or ten weeks straight. That was our longest run. I'd always heard that conferences are the meetings most likely to result in support, and that proved to be our experience as well. There were many highlights that I could relate concerning our time on deputation, but looking at it as a whole, I'd have to say that at the top of the list would be the many opportunities to preach the Word of God. I had the opportunity to preach over 120 times in those 13 months, an honor which was an immense pleasure to me. I can honestly say I do not have any horror stories from deputation. We were in so many good churches with good pastors some of them large, most of them small, but I was very much encouraged to see the interest in Bible preaching and worldwide missions involvement. In addition to so many opportunities to preach, we heard some tremendous conference preaching while on the road, often in very mature missions-giving, mission-sending churches, but I was also able to be in some churches that were just getting started in giving to missions, and in a few instances, I had the opportunity to basically introduce churches to the concept of missionary support or faith-promised missions-giving, and this was a special privilege for me. I won't impact too much analysis of my experience on deputation, but I'll give a few thoughts in review. First of all, for me, as a lover of missions, church, hymn singing, and preaching, deputation was just a lot of fun. In so many ways, it was a great experience with much spiritual profit. But I have to follow that up by saying that I'm glad that it's over. I'm glad that it was a season that has come to an end. As much as I enjoyed it, for our family, another year or two plus of this kind of travel would have significantly 
diminished its value. Deputation is an opportunity for missionary families. We spent time in some really interesting and sometimes beautiful places. We tried to make it fun and see some sights along the way, but traveling that much, especially with kids, is obviously a strain. Part of the uncalculated cost of deputation, I think, for younger children anyway, is educational. I just have no idea how families homeschool with any consistency while living on the road. Deputation is also pretty expensive. I feel certain that the cost is far less than the administrative overhead involved in larger denominational situations that send their missionaries out fully funded, but the expense of deputation is still significant. As long as it can be regarded as an investment, I don't think it's money wasted, but I also think that that depends largely on the timeliness of the process. Deputation is also not all that healthy. That's not a complaint, just a reality. I asked Brother Irvin about the health and dietary aspect of deputation during our interview, which you can check out, but I asked him about it because I knew that he had a routine to push back against the natural course of life on the road. I confess that I failed to develop such a routine. I did gain some deputation weight. Now my weight loss strategy is moving to Africa. Finally, I realize in some circles that missionaries are regarded as second-class citizens in the ministry in comparison to pastors, or at least I've heard that that's the case. I'm thankful to say that I do not operate in that circle. I found pastors to be extremely gracious and accommodating. Sometimes it's a challenge to get pastors on the phone, as most any missionary could attest to, but I think most pastors appreciate and respect missionaries and encourage their people to do the same. And this comes with its own challenge for the missionary. As a pastor, I really did want our people to honor missionaries for their sacrifice and devotion. If there are modern heroes, they would not be found in Hollywood or the NBA. They would be found in mission service. With that said, I hope first-time missionaries don't believe everything that's said and supposed about them in local churches concerning their spirituality and sacrifice. Being the hero in every conference that you attend and having to constantly talk about yourself can be an unhealthy thing. And some men are actually taught to sell themselves on deputation, which is repulsive wherever it's found in the religious world. Most first-time missionaries, truth be told, haven't accomplished anything on the mission field, at least not to speak of, and that's true for our family. They might end up being missionary heroes, but it will take years to find out. Don't misunderstand me. Deputation can be an elevating experience in a good way, but God forbid that it should go to our heads or that we should like it so well that we're not motivated to get to the field in a timely manner. I loved my time on deputation. Churches and pastors truly were better to us than we could have ever deserved. I'm grateful the chapter is closing and that we've come to the occasion that we've spent an entire year talking about. Let me give you a few big picture reflections from this season of pre-filled preparation. So many things have come together demonstrating the good hand of God upon our family for this work. I don't want to bore you with the details, but if you'd permit me the time, I'd like to relate a few things that came together ahead of our deployment that helped to demonstrate and affirm the good hand of God upon us for this work in Zimbabwe. One of the blessed and curious connections that the Lord made for me as I hit the last leg of our pre-filled preparation concerns the identity of one of the men that God used to put Zimbabwe on my spiritual radar 13 years ago. In virtually every presentation that I've given concerning my call to Zimbabwe, I have told the story of a Filipino church planning missionary in Livingston, Zambia, whom I met back in 2008 and who was responsible for putting Zimbabwe on the map of my heart. 
Though I had referred to this brother dozens of times, even showing a picture that I had of he and I, I had no record of his name. Back in November of 2021, I was on my way to preach the close of a missions conference in North Mississippi. I did some missionary snooping on the way and listened to a short segment of the previous night's conference message, which happened to be preached by a former missionary to Zambia whom I did not know. In the few minutes that I listened in, this preacher mentioned that Filipino church planter in the city of Livingston, Zambia, by name. Based on that mention, I was able to contact Brother Mario Ganada by email. That's the man that shared a burden with me for the country of Zimbabwe back in 2008. He was converted under the ministry of missionary Rick Martin in Iloilo City, was trained up in that missionary church in the Philippines, and went to Zambia in 2005, the same year that I began pastoring in South Alabama. This was the man that told me of the need in Zim back in 2008. He's still faithfully serving the Lord in that border city. I never cease to be amazed by God's network, and it meant something to me to come across this man's identity toward the end of our deputation travels after talking about him in virtually every meeting that I'd been in. The Lord seemed to tie off our deputation travels in a beautiful way that I'd also like to relate to you. The very first church to take us on for monthly support was Grace Bible Church in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. The pastor there, my dear friend Chris McDonald, was so interested and invested in my call to Zimbabwe that he accompanied me to Zim in July of 21, along with my friend and co-laborer, Brother Cody Rich. Again, one of the most encouraging developments in our ministry plans for Zimbabwe is Cody's desire to come into Zimbabwe to work alongside me. In fact, he and his family, as I mentioned, will spend those first three months on the field with us before raising their own support. Brother Cody and I are out of the same church. We were neighbors for a couple years. There's a lengthy, fascinating story about how that partnership developed. At any rate, I was able to go back to Mount Pleasant and preach Grace's first Faith Promise Missions Conference. So our very first supporting church ended up being our very last meeting while on deputation. My last meeting was Brother Cody's first meeting, his first missions conference where he was invited to present his call and burden to Zimbabwe. And Grace Bible became Cody's first supporting church. So my first supporting church was our last meeting Cody's first meeting and Cody's first supporting church. I hope you can see how that would be meaningful to me as I reflect on all that the Lord's done for our family in this pre-filled preparation time. Now, one other quick anecdote about our preparation for the foreign field. Just this past Sunday night, I was able to see the good hand of God in an interesting way in our send-off service at Cornerstone. It was in every way a lovely event. I won't go into all of the details, but among the Lord's tender kindnesses on display had to do with another missionary presentation that was given in the same service. It just so happened that a fine young man named Miles Mayer was here at our church at Cornerstone to present his ministry to the seafarers at the Port of Mobile. If you've listened to the interview with Brother Ken Creech, you would be familiar with the great open door there, that Miles's visit to Cornerstone would correspond with our commissioning and sending service was its own seal upon my stateside service to God and my international objectives and missions. Miles is the first young man to be saved, trained, and sent forth into full-time mission service from Ridge Road Baptist Church, the church where I pastored from 2005 to 2018. 
My Timothy in the faith, if you would, Brother Kyle Sinareski, took the church when I came to Cornerstone in 2018, and under his leadership, Brother Miles has found his place of service evangelizing seamen that come to the Gulf Coast from all around the world. Miles came to Ridge Road as a teenage boy, his family having learned of the church through our radio ministry. In 2015, while on a mission trip to Paraguay, I had the privilege of leading Miles to the Lord, and in early 2018, just before making my move here to Cornerstone, I had the privilege of seeing Miles complete Ridge Road's local church Bible Institute. That was one of the last things that I did as the pastor there. Perhaps you can see how sharing our farewell service with Miles would be so meaningful to me personally. I don't mean to be sentimental about these things. I simply am more grateful than I can possibly express to see the fingerprints of my great God all over this transition from my pastoral ministry in the States to foreign mission service. And it's not just the process of deputation that has been blessed of God. The necessary pieces have come into place for our entry into Zim, and this began on my trip into the country back in July of 2021. There were several things that came together on that trip, and one was an important logistical piece. One of the goals for that trip was to secure a reliable vehicle for our family's use. I thought I had a beat on a reliable truck to purchase, but while on the test drive, Brother Porter actually pulled out a maintenance reminder from the glove box, and the suggested mileage for the next service was nearly 200,000 kilometers more than the odometer read. Talk about dodging a bullet. In the final day of that trip, we were able to purchase a reliable SUV with low mileage and a full maintenance record. So praise the Lord for that. We had a great time doing evangelism on that trip, including a very positive reception to public ministry and personal work in the city that we'll be relocating to. One unexpected development concerned a small Bible college in a nearby city where I was able to preach a chapel service. I have received an invitation to conduct week-long Bible modules at this college which is an opportunity that I'm excited about. By way of this college, we've also made contact with a young man from the city of Mutari, that's the city that we're headed to, who is desirous to work with us when we enter, and we see this as yet another token of the good hand of God in this transition. We also set out to explore housing options and to make application for a work permit. The housing pursuit came up empty, and it was only in these last couple of weeks that a solution materialized. As the Lord would have it, we've been able to secure a property where our family and the rich family can land for the first three months at least, and it's a situation where we'll be able to have the privacy of separate housing with the shared space that will make their stay and our start much more convenient. On my last day in the country of Zimbabwe back in July of 2021, I made my way to Immigrations to file my work permit application. Unfortunately, when I arrived at the office, I found that it was closed due to an abbreviated work week supposedly owing to the pandemic. It seemed like a bit of a disappointment at the time. I returned to the States with my application in hand and committed the paperwork to one of our co-laborers, Brother Bill Smith, who entered the country at the end of September and submitted our paperwork and processing fee on our behalf. We were told that it would take around two months to get an answer back. Three and four months later, we were pretty sure there was something wrong with the application. We finally got some feedback. In January, the word was that the application appeared to be lost. This news was delivered with apologies and an explanation that the entire system is manual with a reduced staff and work week owing to the pandemic. We hastily reproduced the paperwork and sent it off to Brother Jeff Porter for him to refile at the beginning of March when he returned to the country. 
When he appeared at Immigrations to resubmit our application, he learned of an even bigger surprise. It turned out that the application had not been lost. It had been approved back in October for one year. It was everything that we had prayed for. In addition, it had to be claimed within six months to prevent cancellation. That meant that we would have to claim the permit by mid-April, giving us plenty of time given our scheduled entry at the end of March. Had we made the application back in July, and had it been approved in the same amount of time, we would not have made it into the country in time to claim it. Sometimes our disappointments are God's provisions. So we have bid our farewells, and assuming all of the PCR tests come back negative, we fly out tomorrow as of the publication of this program. Four adults, eight children, and somewhere around 40 bags. It's a 35-hour trip, roughly. As you can imagine, we are excited. We would be grateful for your prayers. I hope that this program hasn't seemed superfluous or sentimental. It's certainly a different kind of program, but this is part of the Great Commission. There are brass tacks to be tended to. Our God that cares for the nations, who sent his son to die for the sins of the world. He numbers the hairs of our head. He remembers the sparrows. It should be no marvel if he is personally interested and engaged in our calling, preparation, and deployment in missions. I really do hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. When it began, my goal was to raise awareness and encourage thoughtfulness about the church's part in the Great Commission. It also served as an outlet for me to interact with something that I'm passionate about. Great Commission Conversations has ended up being one of the means for God dealing with my heart about my own foreign missions deployment. The very first interview published was recorded in 2020 in South Africa with Brother Jeff Porter, a man that we're now relocating to Zimbabwe to cooperate with in the work of the ministry. I'm not entirely sure what our relocation means for this podcast. I hope to continue to do occasional interviews, but I'm not sure how practical remote interviews will be or what kind of time will be available to pursue such programming. I'm also considering recording some short lessons on biblical missions philosophy, but we'll have to see how that might come together. I can tell you that we have some very good programming queued up for the coming weeks. The next interview is with a missionary we call Brother C, and it's one of the best interviews that I've been able to record. It's on the topic of language, culture, and adversity, and I hope you'll check it out. That will be followed up with an interview with a man we'll call Brother Tony on missions and prayer. I have an interview with Brother Dana Vogelpohl on public ministry in Scotland, and that will be followed up with an interview with Pastor Adam Summers on owning the Great Commission as a local church. I do hope you'll tune in and be encouraged to get intentionally and strategically and intelligently involved in world missions. I'm always happy to have your feedback about any of the programming. You can email me, Brother Lee, at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. And perhaps this is a reasonable time to mention that if you'd be interested in receiving our family's bi-monthly prayer letters, please feel free to send a request to that same email address. If this program has been a blessing, you can help get the word out by sharing it with others as well as rating and reviewing it wherever you may be listening. Until next time, let's do what we can to get the gospel to the regions beyond.